It's been my observation that people are willing to deal with a certain amount of chaos and confusion if they are confident that there is a plan somewhere. They might not be able to see how it's being worked out in the immediate uh, moment, but if they know that somewhere, all of these things that are taking place, if they're moving towards a plan and the, the accomplishment of that plan, there is some tolerance for that kind of experience in life. So uh, if someone came into your home and started knocking out walls and ripping up carpet, uh, if they were just randomly doing that, of course, we would be upset. But if we knew there was a plan, this was part of renovation, you had a designer come in and had explained how they were going to open up some space and make this room bigger and, uh, and just change everything, and, and you had a, a picture of what the final, uh, uh, the final goal, the final project would look like, you'd be okay. Yes, it would be stressful. You might be uh, frustrated a little bit as things are all up in the air, but you know that there was a plan. I was going to use as an example uh, highway construction, but then I wasn't sure that there was a plan, and so maybe that's not the best uh, illustration of that. Uh, But as you know, I I am a student of uh, military history, and just recently we remembered that the 75th anniversary of D-Day and the landings at Normandy. And when that was happening... We have to ask, what, what were people thinking, the people involved? Now, it would have been very difficult for them if they were going and the idea was just that we're going to uh, land in France and see if we can you know, uh, get Hitler a little bit angry and, uh, and that's about it. If that's all it was, the people who were involved in that project, in that uh, invasion, they would have been really struggling with that. But there was a plan. They weren't just landing there because they wanted to uh, uh, fight the enemy. There was a specific plan. They wanted to bring relief to the Soviet army in the east. They wanted to uh, prepare for the liberation of France. They wanted to start the process for the invasion of Germany. And so as these people were uh, landing on the beaches and were being wounded and were being killed... They understood that there was a plan. They were moving in a certain direction, and so they were willing to deal with that suffering that was in the moment. Well, the same is true with our life, with our experience. We are going to face all kinds of confusion. Things are going to happen. They're going to make our life very uncomfortable. And if that's all there is, if it is just simply random suffering then that's going to be really, really difficult for us. But if we were to know that there was actually a plan, a plan for history, a plan for the world, then maybe we would be able to get through this. And I'm not going to focus so much uh, specifically on God's plan for each of us as uh, individuals. And there are people who have reflected upon that, and you could think about that if, in terms of God has a plan for each person as to who they're going to marry and what job they're going to have and, and uh, all of those different things. And that's a conversation for another time. We're going to take the 30,000-foot view of does God have a plan 
for creation, for the world. That's what we're going to take a look at. And Malachi is going to inform us of this. He's going to explain to us what this looks like. And so uh, before we do that, though, uh, when we think about uh, the Old Testament and how it ends, you might not realize that uh, the order of the Jewish Bible and the order of the Christian Old Testament is not exactly the same. It's all the same books, but they are placed in a different order. And ours, as we have already heard, ends with Malachi. But in the Jewish Bible, the final book of the Bible is actually Second Chronicles. Second Chronicles is the final part. And I'm going to read to you the uh, final part of the Jewish Bible. This is how it concludes. This is what Cyrus, king of Persia, says. The Lord, the God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth, and he has appointed me to build a temple for him at Jerusalem in Judah. Any of his people among you may go up, and may the Lord their God be with them. So what has happened, as we've seen over recent weeks, is the Babylonians had conquered Judah, had destroyed Jerusalem, had destroyed the temple, and the Persians now have taken over from the Babylonians, and they are allowing the Jews to return to Jerusalem and to rebuild the temple and so on. And so the, uh, the Jewish Bible ends actually with the words of the Persian king, sending the people back to Jerusalem. And that's a satisfying conclusion as far as it goes, because certainly the exile was a big deal, and the, uh, the conclusion to that, the end of the exile, the return to Jerusalem, that seems to be a good place for it to end. But our Old Testament doesn't end there. We end with Malachi. And Malachi, instead of looking at the present, which would be what was happening in Jerusalem at that moment, was actually looking to the future. And I should mention that it's not the Christians who changed the order. Uh, It was actually Jewish people who changed the order. When they translated it from Hebrew to Greek, they moved the order around. And that's actually when we got our, uh, our current names and titles for those Old Testament books. They were the ones who ordered it so that Malachi came to the end. And so what we see is Malachi is looking to the future and he's identifying two specific events. One of these is the day of the Lord. And he doesn't give a lot of detail, but it's, this isn't something that's unique to Malachi. Uh, the day of the Lord is something found throughout the prophets. And basically, it is what we would think of as judgment day. It is about when God uh, turns everything around so that things are right. So the, the prophets, as well as all the people, could see that things are not the way they're supposed to be. The wicked are prospering, the righteous are suffering. That's not the way it's supposed to be. Everyone understood that. And the prophet spoke about this day in the future, the day of the Lord, when things would be fixed, when justice would reign, when the righteous would be redeemed. All of these things would take place. And they look forward to this day of the Lord. They didn't have a lot of detail about what would happen, but they trusted that God had a plan and it was all leading towards the day of the Lord. And they were willing 
to deal with the suffering and the uncertainty with that hope of that happening. But Malachi adds something else. He says that before that day happens, there's going to be a sign. And that sign is the return of Elijah. Now, Elijah was one of the the, the greatest prophets of the Old Testament. One of the few that actually performed miracles. And if you remember from 2 Kings, he went off in this uh, flaming chariot, and it was just an amazing scene. And he was just this incredible prophet. And uh, Malachi is saying, Elijah will return before this great day of the Lord. And the people who heard Malachi's prophecy, they were still going through difficult times. They knew that probably that uh, the day of the Lord and the return of Elijah would not happen in their day. But there was encouragement that they knew that God was in control and that he had a plan and that history was moving towards that plan. Well, that brings us to the New Testament. As we live in the New Testament era, Malachi, for us, is that bridge between the Old Testament and the New Testament. And I love how that final section of Malachi anticipates what would happen in the New Testament. So we're going to take a look at what Malachi had said and see how this has played out. So the question we have to ask is, has Elijah returned? And the answer is yes and no. Okay, It's no in the sense, has the person with the DNA of Elijah physically returned to earth? And the answer to that is no. However, uh, he has returned in the person of John the Baptist. And there's a couple of passages from the New Testament I want to read to you. First one's from Luke. Uh, It says this, And he will go, and this is speaking of John the Baptist, And he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And then uh, in Matthew 11, Jesus himself said, And if you are willing to accept it, He is the Elijah who was to come. So it's not as if uh, John the Baptist is a reincarnation of Elijah or anything like that, but rather John the Baptist is playing the role of Elijah. Uh, One of the interesting things about uh, both uh, Elijah and John the Baptist is very rarely uh, do biblical writers describe the clothing of the prophets. They're just not interested because they probably all wore pretty much the same thing. However, in the Old Testament, we are given a description of what Elijah wore. And in the New Testament, we have a description of John the Baptist and what he wore. And it was pretty much the same thing as what Elijah wore. And it wasn't normal clothes. So it's not as if they just wore a robe. Uh, That wouldn't be much of a coincidence in Old Testament times. But... uh, That is part of this understanding that Elijah, his coming, has in some ways been fulfilled in John the Baptist. John the Baptist was a sign. But what was the role of John the Baptist? He was there to prepare a way for the Lord. Which Lord? That Lord was Jesus. Uh, We can actually see John the Baptist as being the hinge of history with the one side being the Old Testament, the other side being the New Testament, 
And John the Baptist is right in the middle. He is the hinge of the two eras. And so he prepares the way for Jesus. But the, the purpose of Jesus is, of course, to, to teach as well as to die and to rise again. But there's more to the story of Jesus. We're actually told in the New Testament some more detail about that Old Testament concept of the day of the Lord. That that day would happen when Jesus returned. So Jesus died, he rose again, he ascended to heaven. But one day he will come again. And at that second coming, there will be the resurrection of the dead. And that will be the day of the Lord. That will be the time when everything is made right. That will be the time when justice will fill this planet. When the righteous will be redeemed, the wicked will be punished. All of those things would happen on the day of the Lord. And so here we are in the middle of the times that Elijah has come as the sign, uh, the promise that this is going to happen. But the day of the Lord is still in the future. We are reminded that God has a plan. Now, what does this mean for us? Here today, 21st century Canada, what does it mean? Well, in some ways, we are experiencing the same struggles as Malachi's audience. And that is, we have to make it through life. That There are struggles. Uh, that people get sick. That loved ones die. That uh, we struggle with finances. That there are relationship problems. There are all kinds of things that are happening. Uh, we look to the news and we see that there are nations against nations. And, and we can just tell that life on this planet is not the way it's supposed to be. And we have to ask ourselves, is life just a series of random struggles and suffering? Well, we are told from Malachi and the rest of the Bible that is not the case. That there is a plan. That we are moving towards that plan. And that we can get through the chaos and confusion if we have confidence that that plan will be lived out. That plan has been demonstrated in that Elijah has come through the ministry of John the Baptist. And Jesus has come and lived on this planet, has taught, has died, has risen again, and he will come back. That day is coming. Now, there's a lot of people who are really into the second coming and they want to draw out charts of, of how everything is going to take place. I actually think, even though I've been interested in that stuff in the past, I think that's missing the point. The point is that there's a plan. That it's not just chaos. That there really is something that's going to happen. God has a plan for this world. He has a plan for each one of us. And that plan is good. Let us pray. God, sometimes it's hard for us to remember that there's a plan. Uh, we see the suffering around us, we experience the suffering ourselves, and we wonder, where are you? Why are you not present? And yet we're reminded by your word that you are present and that you are working in history. That you have a conclusion to the story. You are leading us to a place where everything will be fixed. We might not know all of the details of that plan. We might not know everything about what that's going to look like. But we can be confident that you have a good and perfect plan. And that gives us hope. We pray in Christ's name.
Amen.